When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tour Report from Secret Golf. This week, it's a WGC, the FedEx St. Jude Invitational in a very hot Memphis. I'm Diane Knox and Steve Elkington is here. Elk, before we get on to talk about this tournament, which is being played on a very iconic course on the PGA Tour, we have to talk about the Olympics and Xander getting the gold for Team USA. Yeah, I I enjoyed watching golf in the evening and... um, Alexander Schauffele was able to do what he hasn't been able to do for the last year, which is a hold off with the lead. Even though he, even though he was there at the lead at the Phoenix Open with uh, Brooks Kepka finally winning, and then he was right there at the end of the Masters and uh, Matsuyama, he hooked his ball on 16. And the question for him, I'm I'm sure it was, will he be able to hold off everyone? Uh, at this last round of the Olympics, and he did. He, he hit a poor drive on 18, pitched it down the fairway, and then had a, a brilliant up and down to win the gold medal. And it was, you know, it's it sort of uh, like popping a balloon. It was like his dad was involved with this. He was an Olympian. Xander hadn't won in a while. I mean, it was really a nice story. And Xander's grandparents live in Japan. Obviously, they weren't able to attend because there was no fans in attendance, but... That part of the world holds a very special place in his heart, so it was nice for it to happen. And we see with Justin Rose just what winning a gold medal means to these guys, what winning any medal means. And we have Rory Sabatini, who was representing Slovakia, <laughs> finishing with the silver, and then C.T. Pan getting the bronze. So we'd, we'd said, you know, if there was two names who weren't kind of in the top of the field, if they won medals, I mean, it just means so much to these guys. And and you could see that. It was two perfect examples. Yeah, and it was a very top-heavy field. We knew that going in. Uh, Rory Sabatini had a real hot round on Sunday. That can happen. That's what, what, what why the Olympics is great. All the experience, all the veterans came to the top. Uh, they had the big playoff and CT Pan, you know, beat Rory and Morikawa and some of these really big guns in the playoff. But... No, I think it was a great, great event. People are talking highly about it. Rory McIlroy, you know, has flipped his stance on it. He didn't like the idea of the Olympics four years ago, and now he loves it. And it's good. I mean, I think they may even tweak it some more. We may see a team event. We may see a male, female. Who knows? But I think the Olympics has got its foothold for golf. It's in there now, and the players are supportive, and this is the way things happen in golf. And we have the women's golf to look forward to this week at Kasumi Gaseki. Um, We had made our medal predictions. It pains me to say that when I look at the aggregate scoring over our four picks, Elk, you came out first. I finished second. And I have to say our picks were all really good. Uh, Jay finished third and it was his dark horse pick of Henrik Norlander that really let him down however it was pretty good going and well that seven man playoff for the bronze medal you had two guys in there so that's what did it for you yeah no 
but not on the podium, Diane, so does it really <laughs> even matter? <laughs> okay, well, this week, we're kind of going from this huge event in Tokyo to another no-cut event in Memphis. It's TBC Southwind for the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. 66 guys in the field, another no-cut event. And with only a couple of weeks to go until the FedEx Cup playoffs, Elk, this is a big one. It certainly is, Diane, and we are in the middle of a really a worldwide tour right now. We had a lot of these players were in England and, and Scotland uh, just less than a month ago playing the Open Championship and Scottish Open. Then a lot of these players went to Japan, and now here they are back in Memphis. I'm exhausted talking about their travel schedule. A lot of the players that played in, in, um, you know, in, in Japan on Zoysia grass, this tournament Zoysia, so that's sim similar. But I'm thinking this week, Diane, I'm going to have to factor in why are they here? I know why they're here. It's a big event. But what is the motivation? Is it Ryder Cup? Are they fatigued? And do they have anything to play for? Where are they on the FedEx? There's a lot of sort of nuances this week. I mean, is Jordan Spieth the man this week? Is it Matsuyama now that the shackles have been cut off from Japan where he's not focused on all that Japanese uh, you know, media around him for the, for the Olympics? Bryson DeChambeau is back in action. What's it like for him testing for COVID and coming out of the garage? We never pick him after that. So we're going to have to shake it all down, Diane, like we always do. Well, 18 players made the trip from Tokyo back to Memphis. And out of the top 50, there's three guys who aren't playing. John Rahm, Terrell Hatton, and Christian Bezadenhout. So it's a, a packed field, as you would always expect with a WGC. And, you know, all those things you talked about, that's really what we're going to dive in this week to do our picks. So we're going to give you our re-ranked top 10. Then we have some sizzlers. We'll talk about some big names that maybe didn't make it into our top 10 as well. You just teased one of them a second ago. And then we'll get Jay Kaplan on for those dark horse picks this week for the WGC in Memphis. Now, Elk, this course has been on the PGA Tour rotation since 1989. It hosted a regular event for a long time. And then the past two years, we have had it elevated to a WGC. So it's a course that a lot of the players know very well. Yes, Diane, it's only two par fives, number three and number 16, both reachable by everyone in this field. Zoysia grass, scoring's usually pretty low here. The big hitters uh, love this course, Diane. Brooks Kepka, DJ, uh, Berger. There's a lot of multiple winners that are in this field, and some of them are showing up in our top 10 this week. Some are rested, some are not. So we're going to shake it all down. But this golf course, it's a very hot week in Memphis. The fairways are zoysia grass. I just mentioned that. Ball sits up like beautiful. Um, scoring will be quite low, but it's all about getting a lot of looks. The 11th hole is a famous little par three with an island green. There's some, there's some shots that have to be hit really well to get around this course. There is some trouble. Will some of these players uh, get hot and shoot like the low 60s like they've done in the past? We'll see. I read that it's the 12th easiest course the guys play on tour in terms of scrambling and the greens are pretty easy as well. They actually rank as some of the easiest greens that the guys play all year. So that goes hand in hand with the low scoring. The average driving distance is 290. 
and you know, you, you we talked about Brooks Kepka has won here before, finished second as well, and he said that it's one of his favourite courses to play. So that kind of contradicts the fact that it's maybe not one for the big hitters because, well, it, it clearly is. Justin Thomas winning last time around. Yeah, I think the zoysia has a little to do with that. A very spongy surface. I think you mentioned there that the up and downs are quite easy on this course. I think that has to do with the zoysia. The ball has a tendency to sit up, not down. So the players are more um, sort of uh, just taking it off the top. They, they don't get those really down lies way down deep in the rough. So, yeah, zoysia is a, a very uh, thick bladed grass. It has a, has a lot of structure to it. So the ball tends to sit up up on top. Amateurs love it, Diane. Your ball sits up like it's on a tee every shot. <laughs> I tell you one thing, though, the water is a serious factor around TBC Southwind and the course had an overhaul in 2004. Since then, there have been over 5,000 balls in the water, more than any other course. And if you think about the past two years, it's been a, a much smaller field with it being a WGC. So water comes into play an awful lot around here. I'm thinking 11, 14, and of course the 18th hole is a uh, just a, a, a the letter L or the letter, you know, it's a par four that you have to negotiate the water on the left and bunkers down the right. We saw famously uh, Dustin Johnson when he won here, one of his, I think two times, he hold his second shot uh, with enough to spare. Uh, so yes, there's some water, but... I wouldn't have actually guessed that, Diane. I wouldn't have thought that water, um, that would have showed up as a lot of balls in the water as much as you just noted. Actually, number 12 has seen more than 900 balls in the water. And John Daly, John Daly holds the record with 48. It's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> A lot. That's a lot. Okay, so we're going to be avoiding the water. We're going to be shaping our shots. And well, we're going to be going through our re-ranked top 10. So Elk, let's get this underway. As we said, we have the world's best playing this week. 18 guys making the trip back from Tokyo. And the guy at number one, well, he is one of them. He is the champion golfer of the year and just missed out on a medal in the Olympics. Colin Morikawa, nobody is playing better than him right now. So he is our number one this week. One other guy is, is playing almost as good, Diane, but there's no other place to put this guy except on the top. He looked like things weren't really working for him in Japan. He was always just slightly out of the limelight and he's still almost medal. Morikawa is a very straight hitter. We know that. He's full of confidence. I've won in the Open Championship, Diane. Uh, yes, we cannot sit him anywhere but on the top of the list right now. And it's absolutely no surprise that his stats are amazing. The only, the only red stat is the scrambling, 156. However, we have said this is one of the easiest courses for the guys to get up and down. Well, Morikawa said himself that he doesn't look at his putting stats and chipping stats too much because I'll try to make sense of this. When a guy, when you hit a lot of greens like Morikawa, you are not going to show up really high in the putting. Now he did at the Open Championship, he was number one. But he, I read a quote from him. He said, if I get in around the top 60 or 70, because I hit so many greens, I two putt a lot, 60 or 70 for him is is so good that hardly anyone will be able to beat him. So he doesn't miss many greens. If he misses two around and gets up and down one, he's only 50%. So he loses a lot of, a lot of to the field. So yeah, I mean, 
that's it takes a little bit more of understanding of that Diane to really shake it down I don't I don't even worry about that no not at all okay so Colin Watakala at number one at number two well we had a little bit of a an off-air discussion about this but we have Brooks Kepka coming in at number two now I kind of campaigned for this hard because well my reasons being he's rested he loves this course, was open on social media when he announced he was going to be playing to say that he loves coming back to here. He's won this, he's actually finished no worse than in a tie for second the past two years at TPC Southwind, one of them being a victory. And we know how much he likes to up his game at these elite level events. So we have Kepka firmly at number two. Yeah, we talked about it at the top is what energy level comes with each player and I think Kepka is rested as you said he's come back from the Open Championship Brooks doesn't play that much he's been injured he's sparingly come back he's played unreal when he's come back all things considered with his knee very focused once he gets to the majors and the big events I think you know this would be kind of a steal for him this year if he could knock off the FedEx Cup or do something terrific here at the end he actually could steal this season from everyone and that's kind of right up his alley Diane as you've noted the reason we let you push him all the way up to two today is because yes he does love this course it must suit his eye he plays the power fade it's driver a lot of places yeah perfect I like it and he's Vegas favourite. He's 12 to 1. He is firmly in the Ryder Cup team and 12th in the FedEx Cup ranking. Now, we keep talking about there's so many different numbers, like milestone numbers that these guys have as goals. So for him, surely he has got FedEx Cup number one in mind. And it, it, he's right there. Yeah. He's looking for the steal. Yeah. Okay, and it's a real thing with these big events. Four top six finishes between the four majors and one WGC this season alone. So Kepka at number two. Coming in at number three, well, another guy, there's no way we could leave him off after he just won gold in Tokyo. Xander Shoffley is number three. There's no way you can't put him right here at number three. The gold medalist, Diane, he... He hasn't won on tour for I think it was like two years. And the way they will sort of position this gold medal, yes, he gets every accolade as did Justin Rose for winning the gold medal. Will that solidify him into this new winning thinking? We're going to find out. But Shoffley also understands Diane. He said yesterday he doesn't play for money. He plays because he wants to win. I think... Shoffley will now be elevated to think, okay, I've got that monkey off my back about winning. Now I'm going to prove it to you one more time in one of these big events to really make sure you've got my, I've got your attention. And the way that he plays in majors anyway, as you say, if he can elevate one level, then that's when he's going to be winning and, and having these. So he's got the gold medal. Why not take care of the WGCs and the majors and sitting at number 10 in the FedEx Cup rankings, another one that's well within his sight. And we know how much he loves Eastlake after winning there before. Yeah, I mean, he, they're all chasing that 20 million and I, why wouldn't they be or whatever it is they win um, for the FedEx Cup, that is. Yeah, I think Alexander is thinking ahead a little bit. He's got a, a pretty big stretch here now that he's won this gold medal. He'll get a lot of press. 
Ryder Cup is right around the corner. FedEx Cup is right around the corner. There's a lot of golf that's coming up in the next five, six, seven weeks, Diane. Uh, very busy. He'll be a little tired, but this tournament probably won't get everything going until the weekend. These guys are going to just try to tread water the first couple of days, find their bearings, get acclimated back to the U.S. That's why I'm thinking about some of these other guys that arrested Diane that might sprint out of the box like a Kepka and get ahead of these guys that are tired. Yeah, and the, the no cut is going to help with that a little bit. But we talk about another guy who's rested and you have to remember a lot of these guys did them. They ruled themselves out of the Olympics early on because they were very aware of the way the schedule was shaping up and they had to pick. And the guy at number four is one of those, Dustin Johnson, coming off a miscut at the 3M Open, but a top 10 finish at the Open Championship the week before. Again, 15 in the FedEx Cup standings. DJ has to be right up there. Well, we kind of talked about DJ. Why, why, why was he at 3M? You know, because he was very low motivation. And I think the only thing that's the difference maker between Dustin Johnson winning the FedEx Cup and last year and this year is just that energy level and where is he mentally thinking about, you know, is he on? And here's a course where he can relate to real well. He's won it. Has he won it more than once, Diane? I think he's won it a couple times on this course, yeah. at least one for sure. Yep. Uh, so, and Dustin Johnson likes that. Brooks Kepka hits a fade, loves this course. Dustin Johnson hits a fade, loves this course. They're both big hitters. Uh, they both contended one. So, yes, I think Dustin Johnson, it's very hard for me to get a, a read on him, Diane. When he gets totally focused is when he's almost unbeatable. And that little bubble has been up and down all year. Saw it last week at 3M. We sort of predicted it. Had to put him at top. He was the number one player in the world. But where is he going to be this week? I think he's going to be motivated. Well, he won in 2012 and 2018. And when he won in 2018, 19 under par. <laughs> so he trounced everyone in that year. Right, so DJ at four. And then at number five, again, another person that we had a discussion on. And I do pick with my heart. This is a heart pick, but also a very sensible pick too. <laughs> and that's what we went back and forth on. But Louis Oosthuizen in at number five. He finished third at the Open Championship second at the 3M Open the following week. He's still never won on U.S. soil. Yeah, and I asked you in the pre, is Louis going to win this year? And you said, yes, he's definitely going to win. I said, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Louis Hushausen keeps defying the odds uh, of continuing to be able to shake off all the negativity that is perceived around him from finishing second all the time. Did it again at 3M after his big disappointment at the Open. The, open, the disappointment being for us thinking he was going to do it, but he got ran over by Colin Morikawa. Louis Oosthuizen, as much um, low, keeps himself in check, he has been able to just bring it all the time, Diane. Straight hitter, great putter, very calm demeanor. Hey, I'm, I'm riding this one out with you. Okay, good. And, I mean, you can talk about the kind of negativity surrounding the fact that he finishes runner-up a lot. The amount of money perceived, that he makes. Perceived, perceived, negativity. <laughs> perceived negativity. Yeah, and not yeah. by us. But, I mean, I would take the, the negativity for the cash that Louis makes. 
I think yeah, someone just, noted it was 5.3 million. I think he'd won in majors this year, which is more than Jack Nicholas won for 78 wins with 18 majors. Oh. Just for a little side note. Elk, how much do these guys love coming into these no cut events? No cuts event is a great thing, Diane. It's points. There's people in this field uh, that we may not make our show that are still trying to get their exempt status. One of them is a, oh, actually three of them are absolute superstars that are outside of the top 125 looking in. Guaranteed points, guaranteed money, a chance to work on your game for four straight days, Diane. Well, there's a, the next guy we're going to talk about who comes in at number six in our re-ranking. Loves this place, clearly, because he's won here twice, back-to-back years in 16 and in 17. We're talking about Daniel Berger. So we have Berger at number six. He's 25 to one on a course that he loves. Yes, and he won uh, at the Colonial, Diane, right when the pandemic hit. Then he came back and won at Pebble Beach this year. But the interesting thing to me about Daniel Berger, yes, he's won back-to-back on this course, so that's automatically an advantage over everyone else. But he's eyeing, he's number 11, Diane, in the Ryder Cup. He's already in all the playoff events at, like, number 20. That's FedEx Cup's not for something that he has to think about right now. It's the Ryder Cup. One more good week for Berger on his favorite course will get him into Whistling Straits. Automatically, he still could get get picked at number 11. So, yes, I'm looking for motivation, and there's no one on this board. Actually, there's a couple of other ones we're going to talk about (laughs) that have more things combined for motivation, and this is one of them. Um, And just in case you don't know, the top six in the Ryder Cup points list are automatically in, and then Captain Steve Stricker has six wildcard picks. So, as you say, Berger at number 11, he's represented the US before, and that has to be such a massive goal. Um, I mean, he's an elite shot shaper. He's accurate. He's eighth on the whole tour for Greens in Reg this season, and on a course that he's had spectacular form around before. That has to be a real attainable goal for him right now. Top five this week for Berger on his favorite course, probably seals every deal for him. And a win, of course, well, then it all becomes automatic. Well, at number seven, this is another guy who's out with the top six guaranteed for the Ryder Cup right now. And that is Jordan Spieth. We have him ranked at number seven this week. He's 16 to one in Vegas finishing second at the Open Championship, but do you still have that T-ball concern when it comes to Spieth? Well, we spoke of uh, the Open Championship with Spieth and he went to that fade shot. We saw it on the shot tracer and it was very interesting to me to see Morikawa and Spieth just predominantly trying to hit fairways to, to win the tournament or not. And the interesting thing about Jordan Spieth did you know, Diane, that he is number two on the FedEx Cup? All the players that we talk about week in and week out, Shoffle, Morikawa, Bryson, Brooks, everyone, Jordan Spieth is number two. So what is his motivation? You know what he wants. Yeah. He wants to win the FedEx Cup. <laughs> He's going to be in the Ryder Cup. He's going to be right there for all these events. And you know what else? He's rested. And you know what else? He's in good form and he will have known 
that that little fade off the tee, Diane, worked very nicely for him. This course is not too long, only 7,200 yards. So if I'm playing poker, Diane, I'm pushing all my chips in this week. <laughs> to Jordan's feet at 16 to 1. At number eight, well, this is another one. We said that there's a lot of great stories when it comes to motivation this week. And Scotty Scheffler at number eight, he's definitely one of them. Still searching for that win on the PGA Tour in his second season. It's unbelievable to think that it's only his second season playing out here and that he hasn't won, but it's coming. Texas guy likes the heat. Again, we're going to go over why we think Scotty Scheffler uh, is good for this week. Two very good weeks, one in Scotland, in your homeland, had a very good Open Championship, was right there. Just kind of stubbed his toe with experience in the Open Championship. Didn't realize you had to do this or that. He spoke of it in post rounds. Number 14, Diane, in the Ryder Cup, yeah. just outside of the automatic bid. What would a good week do for Scheffler here on this one? Because let's face it, they're all of these guys are probably going to take next week off at Wyndham, the last event before the FedEx Cup starts. So this is it. Next week's the last week. So this is actually the last week. Mm-hmm. Scotty Scheffler has a chance to leapfrog him way right into the Ryder Cup. And wouldn't that be sweet for him? As it is right now, I would pick Scheffler for my team. But hey, he's got to be thinking, let's guarantee it. I'm that close. And he's number one on the entire PGA Tour for total driving, which is distance and accuracy, which is going to definitely bode well around TPC. Yep. Right. Another guy who's in a very similar situation, but he has won and he's won twice this season. Jason Kokrak, we have at number nine. Jason Kokrak and the Ryder Cup, it is an extremely attainable goal for him. And he's number 11 in the FedEx Cup standings. Good friend of mine, Secret Golf contributor, had a very nice open around 25th. Start to see a bit of a, um, a sort of a model emerge of this course. Long straight drivers, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Daniel Berger. Oh, Jason Kokrak, number 15 in the Ryder Cup. Yes, number 15. Here's a guy that's won twice. We'll probably get the nod from Captain Stricker. Why wouldn't you have a guy as hot as Jason Kokrak in your team with two wins this season? What'd you say? Number 11th in the FedEx Cup? How are you going to leave that guy off a team? So Kokrak's thinking, you know what? One more of these good weeks is going to do it for me. So... You can start to see our trend, Diane, in our list this week of why are, why are players motivated this week? And, and to me, it's very clear. What a season for Kokrak. Bearing in mind that the win at the end of 2020, which, you know, the CJ Cup when it was in Vegas, the start of the 21 season, that was his first victory. And then winning at Colonial. Uh, yes. Yeah, he beat Jordan Spieth head-to-head down the end of the uh, – on the, on the Sunday. And, of course – the interesting thing, and I talked to Jason about this, is he won. He's the longest, one of the longest hitters on the tour, and he won at two short courses. He had to lay up a lot at both courses, and he was still able to win. His putting has improved so much. He's become one of the elite putters on the tour, and uh, yes, he's having a great season. 
Okay. And then, well, at number 10, it's another guy who's won twice this season as well. So a name that cannot be overlooked at this point in the season. He is number five in the FedEx Cup rankings. We're talking about Harris English. Another two-time winner. Harris English is almost automatic into the Ryder Cup. You're yeah. going to tell me his position. Is it 10 or 11? He is at number nine in the... Nine. So he's inside the automatic spot right now. He is rested. He went through a period uh, of the year where he played pretty average golf, and he's pulled himself out of that really nicely, winning at Hartford recently, and must be looking at the backside of this schedule just thinking, hey, this is great. So... There's three players that we have chosen, particularly for this top 10, Diane, that we think are going to make the Ryder Cup and they're going to be rested and they're going to be motivated to play well this week and have good form and play good on this course. So no surprises here today from us. Great to have a really average dip in the middle of your season and be sitting at this position at number five in the FedEx Cup standings. And the Ryder Cup is almost a shoe in, you know, 99 the interesting thing, Diane, about the Ryder Cup, and I, I don't know, I have a dog in this fight, but we do not hear very much at all out of your team. Uh, the European team is very quiet. Is this a concern to you at this point? I don't think there is any concern around the European Ryder Cup team. But some of your biggest stars, Diane. Would anyone believe that Justin Rose is outside of the top 125? Tommy Fleetwood outside of the top 125 on the FedEx Cup? Are these guys going to be able to make it? Poulter, I'm betting everything that he'll be in it. Yeah. How are you going to knit this team together, Diane? I know you have no worries, but how are you going to knit it together? You've got Ram. We've got to get him off COVID. You need him badly. Eventually. <laughs> yeah. Shane Lowry, Rory, I mean... They'll take care of themselves. They, these boys okay. know what they're doing. They're, they, they don't need all the hurrah. <laughs> I'm just sort of sensing that maybe it's because we're talking about our, the U.S. players a lot, but it seems the U.S. team's pretty stacked and pretty playing pretty good. But it, it always is. It always is. It's true. Any, as you say, you don't have a, a dog in the a horse in this race, a dog in the fight. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, our full top 10 before we really get down our Ryder Cup rabbit hole. Colin Morikawa, Brooks Kepka, Xander Schauffele, Dustin Johnson, Louis Eustazen, Daniel Berger, Jordan Smith, Scotty Scheffler, Jason Kokrak, and Harris English. Still to come, well, we have three sizzlers we're going to talk about. We talk about that 125 number a lot for the FedEx Cup standings because it's the 125 who lock up their card essentially and make it to the playoffs. Our first sizzler is teetering on that number. So we're gonna dive into that and get Jay for the Dark Horses next on the Tour Report. Well, it's off to a very hot and sticky Memphis this week for the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational, TPC Southwind, a very well-known course. It's been part of the PGA Tour rotation since 1989. Justin Thomas is defending champion. Brooks Kepka won the year before when it became a WGC. Right, Elk, we've gone through our top 10 and now we're on to our sizzlers. And the first name is an Aussie that we're gonna talk about. Would you be shocked to hear that Adam Scott is at 123 in the FedEx Cup standings right now? 
I am shocked at 123 for the jacket. We call him, of course, Adam Scott, the jacket, because he's the only Australian that has a green jacket. Um, he early on said he was not going to play in the Olympics. He was focused on the tour here. He finds himself at 123. I've got him on the sizzle, or we have him on the sizzle this week, Diane. This course has emerged as a, a long, straight hitter's drive, driving course. Don't have to be legendary on the greens like Berger or Dustin Johnson or Brooks Kepka. They're not super exceptional on that part of the game. Can Adam Scott pull himself together this week, Diane, and get another 50 or 70 FedEx Cup points and finish in the top 10 this week? Of course he can, mate. He's an Aussie, and he's going to bring it home this week, Diane. I've got everything thinking about Adam Scott. He's only had one top 10 finish this season, and that came at the very start of the year at the Farmers Insurance. You know, a couple of top 13s, the Travellers, not long ago. But you're right, he did say very early on that he was not going to be going to the Olympics because he was so focused on this busy part of the season. So... He can't be happy with 123. Someone of Adam Scott's calibre, who's going to be playing golf still for a very long time, will that number bother him right now? I think certainly would. Uh, this does, as players get older, I don't even know how old Scotty is. He's probably not even 40 yet, or is he close? Yeah, he uh, starts. You know, you find yourself in these positions, Diane, but I, I know one thing about Adam Scott. He does not, he does not want to be not exempt going into next year, meaning that, yes, he would get 25 events next year, but they're not the events that he wants to. He is going to fight, and that's why he's on our sizzle of this this week. And what's his odds, by the way? They're pretty high. Adam Scott's 80 to 1. Never find it. You'll never, ever find Adam Scott at 80 to 1. Yeah. There's a tip for you. I know, right? A good one. Our second sizzler this week is 125 to 1, which is amazing for a sizzler. And this guy jumped all the way up to number 22 in our re-ranking, which is incredible. We don't have a huge amount of stats for him. However, what we do have is our eyes and your golf brain. And this guy just won the Scottish Open. Min Woo Lee. He's definitely on your radar. I watched him win the Scottish Open. It came out of the blue a little bit, and I talked to you a little bit offline about how hard it is to go over to Scotland and play your game on those conditions. Then I saw his swing on social media, and I must have looked at it 50 times he was demonstrating a particular shot, and I thought to myself, wow, <laughs> this swing is just incredible. And then I started to think about how I would handicap him this week, and I thought, how excited would this kid be coming to this event? No cut, good form from winning the Scottish. Is this going to be like a Higo that's been playing good overseas and come over here and just go, bang, could happen. Minwoo Lee's swing, Diane, is flawless, and I'm looking for him to have a great big week right here at Memphis. What do you see in his swing? Like, if you were to, to break it down and, and pinpoint one thing that you like so much, what is it? Well, whenever I look at a swing, and I'm going to go a little bit technical here, I like but that. I, I break it up into three areas. What is the body doing? What is the plane of the shaft doing? And what is the club face doing? And there's a sort of a symmetry when you see, a, you know, Adam Scott, Louis Oosthuizen, and those things match up so nicely with the speed of his swing and the plane that it's on. There's no extra moving parts. This swing is absolutely as good as, good as I've seen in, in a long time. 
Okay, so Min Woo Lee, that is why he's our second sizzler. And our third is 110 to one, had a really good Olympics. So he's one of those guys who is making the trip back from Japan, but he's gonna keep that momentum going. Um, Ryder Cup is not an issue for him, but 35th in the FedEx Cup standings, we know the top 30 make it all the way to the Tour Championship. It's been a good season so far for Carlos Ortiz. Yep, our own Houston Open champion, Carlos Ortiz. He was in the lead at the Olympics, I think, mid-second or third round, was right there the whole week. I think it was with Rory on Sunday, uh, almost medaled. Very young, comes from Mexico. It's a hot climate there. I think Ortiz will realize that he actually could have won the medal last week looking at all these guys around him, Shoffley, Rory, Morikawa, all these great players. And I think he's going to realize that, hey, I just almost won a medal with all these guys that really wanted to try to win a medal. Mm -hmm. And I just think Ortiz is in the right frame of mind mentally. I am hoping so, Diane, because he's got tremendous odds if you're looking for that kind of a pick this week. Yeah, 110 to 1. The only thing that we would maybe add about this tournament that um, that we'll talk about with someone in a second is withdrawals. Because the, a lot of guys are making the trip back from Japan, so you don't know how fatigue's going to affect them and they might get to the course and and realise that they're just not in the right frame of mind or fitness-wise to play. The other thing about Ortiz is his wife is expecting a baby really soon, their third child. So making that trip to Tokyo was probably a little bit apprehensive for him to do, but played well, came back. Um, they were talking on TV about how this baby is not far away. So <laughs> that's maybe something to think about too. I also heard Ortiz was roommates with another Mexican boxer that was coming home at 11 or 12 at night and had so much adrenaline. He was just running around the room and was keeping him awake and he was apologizing and all this. So these are all the stories, of course, that go with the Olympics. I'll, I'll give you a little secret this week, Diane. We're not going to see many withdrawals because if there is a withdrawal, then nobody else gets in. So you might as well tee off and then withdraw after one hole because then you get the money for last place unofficial. So you won't see any withdrawals this week. Okay, I like that. Um, what, so our three sizzlers, Adam Scott, Minwoo Lee and Carlos Ortiz. Now, there is a question mark over Bryson DeChambeau and um, we should talk about that quickly because he didn't take part in the Olympics because he tested positive for COVID. Um, same with John Ram. John Ram is not playing this week. Bryson is in the field, but this whole COVID testing, we don't know. There's been no word at the time of recording as to whether or not Bryson is, is testing negative or positive or what. Yeah, we don't know anything about Bryson, but we do know this. We have a rule here in our building, Diane, that says never pick Bryson when he's been coming out of the garage on week one, when he's either working on his swing, working on weights, had COVID, doesn't have COVID. We don't know. So we never, he never comes out hot. It's always, let's see, uh, maybe the second round of the playoffs is when we'll start okay. talking about him again. Well, the final part of the tour report this week for the WGC in Memphis, Tennessee, and allow me to introduce for the very first time our bronze medalist, <laughs> Jay Kaplan. <laughs> Hey, I walked away with a medal, and by the way. Oh my gosh. Huh? 
Xander, I got a medal. Xander, I don't see you wearing any blue and white. I didn't see Elk wearing any green and gold. You didn't pick him, though. It doesn't matter. He's still my countryman. That's what the Olympics are all about. I'm like sitting here, you know, Elk Sunday morning text like, hey, looks like my guy's going to win, which is Matsuyama. And I was like, oh, really? And I was like, he's not even going to medal. And then he got on me about it. And so I sent him who I thought would finish. Yeah, as the better on Sunday, and I was correct, was I not? He had like a three or four shot lead, so it was a bit of a foregone conclusion. I hear you. Obviously, you've never watched a golf tournament before. <laughs> yeah, Rory Sabatini. <laughs> okay, so we've got some dark horse picks for the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational this week. So many factors to consider. And Jay, I'll let you start with your first guy because I know he's 125 to 1 and he ranked really high for us this week. Yeah, you know, and this is a guy we know and we love and he's part of our secret golf contingent. And, um, you know, I was looking at the chart. The first thing I do every week when the chart comes out is I look at who has the, uh, the first 100 or higher when it comes to Vegas odds. And this guy was first and I looked over at his name and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Then I looked at his statistics and it was even more interesting. It even said more of a story. 34th in total driving, 37th in scrambling, 34th in putting average, 24 approaches from 125 to 150. Diane, what am I missing here that this guy is 125 to one. This is an incredible value, which by the way, is the theme of the week. What am I missing with the fact that the one and only Ryan Palmer is not only going to be a dark horse, but he's going to be there in the end. Yeah, it's a weird one. He is 54th in the FedEx Cup standings as well. So really good number, which means good season. And he... Missed a cut at the Open Championship, but the week before he finished fourth in the Scottish Open, right? I know that we're very far removed from Scotland to Memphis, Tennessee, but there's obviously some good form there. And yeah, I mean, a solid season. So at 125 to one, extremely good odds for Ryan Palmer in this no-cut event. Incredible odds. And I would even make the connection that people, that Scotland and Memphis have a connection usually people with bad teeth but i won't digress i am offended (laughs) you have wonderful teeth um shocking that ryan palmer's 125 to 1 this is a gift from the golfing gods handed over to us i'm going to play him in all kinds of head-to-heads and full field betting events and dfs so ryan palmer 125 to 1 that is a steal Okay, well, my dark horse pick this week was very influenced by Steve Elkington. (laughs) And not just in the fact that this guy is Australian, but Elk and I have talked about him a lot because he's a European tour player, so doesn't have full status on the PGA Tour or really any status. So FedEx Cup number is not applicable for him. He won the Irish Open. Then he finished fourth at the Scottish Open. So we had picked him for the Open Championship as a bit of a dark horse and he ended up missing the cut. However, we know that it's a little bit different when it comes to the majors. Lucas Herbert is overplaying in the WGC. And at 140 to one, I think that there is good value in this guy elevating his game on this world stage. Lucas Herbert is my dark horse pick. 
interesting pick. And uh, I'm not going to tell everybody what you just told me prior to re-recording this. But what I will tell you is this was thrown at you by Elk, which is a total homer pick, which if we've learned anything this season about Dark Horse picks, when Elk throws it out, you should stay away from it. So you are welcome to have ye Lucas Herbert. I'm also (laughs) throwing in Robert McIntyre. The Scotsman at 90 to 1. But I knew that if I just went with him outright, you would give me such a hard time and I I would deserve it. But I'm just saying 90 to 1. I'm sorry, you were breaking up. Did you say 90 to 1? I just want to double check. Okay, give us your second dark horse because I know you have one lined up. I do and it's such a good one. I mean, I'm even going to pat myself on the back with this one because another obvious choice and this one maybe even more so again this gent comes in 125 to 1 as well and he's just a proven commodity he's coming off a t2 at the john deere he's won this year and he's a guy that every now and again he just kind of crops up his putter gets hot his numbers may not reflect it 118 off the tee in total driving, 155 in green and red, but he's 36 in scrambling, 68th in putting. So I do think he's going to perform this week, and he has every reason to. Diane, he comes in ranked 30th in the FedEx Cup rankings, which is a huge number, as you know. So if he can just hang on or even jump up a few slots – He's looking Atlanta right down the barrel. So my second dark horse pick is Kevin Nah. Okay. Excellent. I agree with you. You've got two very, very solid picks this week, my friends. I, I like agree. them a lot. So Ryan Palmer at 125 to 1. Kevin Na at 125 to 1. And Lucas Herbert at 140 to 1 alongside Robert McIntyre at 90 to 1. Those are our dark horse picks. Jay, thank you very much for your contributions as always. Diane, just one more time. USA. So we have one more, well, we should say alongside the WGC this week, although that we're not playing this game on the SG Tour app but it's the um, Barracuda Championship in Reno the the secondary event on the PGA Tour because we have a lot of guys that are really trying to get those FedEx Cup points to get in the 125 and to of course climb higher so that's going on next week the Wyndham Championship and then after that it's the start of the FedEx Cup playoffs so we have a lot of exciting golf to talk about over the next few weeks. Podcast Network.